Hey, it's Ashley. If you haven't yet listened to the trailer, you really need to go back and take a listen so you don't miss the important parts here. This isn't a knock on your intelligence, it's just that we humans really like to cherry pick. And what we often leave out is taking responsibility and taking action. I feel really conflicted giving people more content to consume. We need to listen less to people with a platform and listen more to the people with whom we share our lives. But if you're willing to use this podcast as inspiration to open up a new conversation with the woman or man with whom you share a home and a family and a bed, let's get busy. Hey there, welcome to episode seven. Okay, I'm thinking about something today. How, when all the responsibilities of family life and being human here uh, at our school seem to be piling up, there's one thing that really grounds me. And that is my responsibility is my ability to respond in the present moment to whatever's going on. That's it. That's where it starts and where it ends. And I really want to invite you to consider this for yourself. That all of the time we spend trying to strategize or trying to circumvent problems or thinking back to how we could have handled something differently, Um, replaying conversations in our head of what we wish we would have said. All we really need to know is how the version of ourselves that has the most integrity, the version of ourselves that can plug into our integrity and operate from there, how would that version act? in each situation. And when we can get quiet, even pause for a second, I think we immediately know how we would prefer to act in that situation. And then the second part is having the courage to actually behave in that way. Having the courage to speak up or having the courage to say the hard thing instead of just walking on eggshells or trying to keep the peace in a way that's like not peaceful at all. You know, keeping the peace should be renamed. Uh, maintaining an excruciating level of awkwardness. So often we don't behave in the way that we would really like to. We don't behave with integrity because we are worried about how other people will react. And just as common and just as bad because behaving out of alignment with our integrity is just never going to give us the things we want, period. It's just not. Um, The end does not justify the means, my friends. A lot of us behave out of integrity because we don't have the courage to do the scary new fucking thing that we know we should do. Like we know what the right thing is in a situation, but we can't make ourselves change our behavior. So we just handle things the way we always did. So I want you to look at what is your default? Do you do things in a dishonest way because you're worried about someone else's reaction? Or do you continue to sandbag in your life and not make the bold moves and the honest moves that you need to make because you cannot overcome that inertia of familiarity and push yourself to do things in a brave new way? This episode is brought to you by Splash Blanket. I absolutely love my pets, but I absolutely hate getting pet hair in my mouth or on my kitty. Meow. Keep your sexy space pristine with a 100% waterproof, luxuriously soft sex blanket. Go to splashblanket.us and use code KEEPINGITHOT 
for 11% off. That's splashblanket.us. When we repeat the same things over and over, they become automatic. And it behooves us to pay attention to the things that we do automatically, the things that we do automatically that are gifts, and the things that we do automatically that are tripping us up. A lot of the times, what we need in our marriages, what we need to change the dynamics in the relationships with the people close to us, what we need to change our habits in the way we go through every day is basic ass information. What we're doing when we are becoming our own thought police is we are assuming that there is some awful version of ourselves on the other side of considering a new thought. And I have to assure you that the deeper you look in you, the better it gets, the brighter it gets, the more gifts you find, the more you look in, the more you're going to see your potential. And some of that is frustrating. And there's some grief there because when you realize you have these gifts, when you realize you have this potency, when you realize that you can really make moves with your action, you're going to feel a little bit of frustration that you didn't, you didn't have the courage to look in there sooner, but that's it. Then you're going to go, ah, I would have known this 10 years ago. Well, I wouldn't appreciate it. That's for sure. Right. You have to sometimes do it the hard way to then go, oh my God, the ease, the freedom in looking at it this way. This, this is it. This is different. This is what all that hard work was for. Was now to have this appreciation when I have this contrast and my marriage feels great or money's flowing in or I have this ease with my kids. So even though we wish that we all knew all of our gifts, like on day one, it's sort of like, you know, an epic journey. It's like in Narnia, they got the gifts at the beginning, but then they kept finding out more and more about how that gift really highlighted a strength they already had inside of them, right? Or Oz, right? The power was in you all along. That's the hero's journey always, always, always. Even if you look like dumb and dumber, anything, anything with a narrative arc where you have a person who has a problem and needs to solve it, that, that's what always happens. There are these gifts that you can see in the character, right? But they can't see in themselves yet. And then they, they find it like three quarters of the way through the movie. So let's just look at our lives like little narrative arcs, narrative arcs, like and then a sequel and then another story and then another story. Where are you in your story right now? Are you just setting off and, and encountering like a new obstacle? Have you hit the dark night of the soul? Are you like cashing in on your work? Where are you right now? And then you get to the end and then you start again. The things that we really, really, really want other people to do, those, that's a whisper in our ear. Those things that we're saying, I wish they would. What if we turn that around and said, today am I going to do that? What if you did it? Not for them but for you. What if these things that we're putting on other people as responsibilities and hopes and dreams that we're like just tagging on other people, what if that's a sign for us? Relationships are meant to change. They're meant to change. They're meant to evolve. They're meant to grow. And the people who are staying the most still are the ones who are the most afraid. And the thing is, nothing's guaranteed. But if your heart is telling you that you or someone else need to do something, you need to take the action with that. So what I want to ask, what I want you to ask yourself is where are you waiting for someone else to act that you could just step around them and just do the thing you want to do anyway, or make that move, push down the domino and let's get moving because 
The reason you feel bored or dissatisfied or like ugh, frustrated is because you are not making as many moves as you want to make. You are not moving as quickly as what you wanted to. Listen, I love my pets, but my sexy space is a pet hair free zone. Splash Blanket is the perfect addition to your bedroom if hair from your foreleggeds finds its way onto your bed. Splash Blanket is machine washable and dryer safe. Pull it from the dryer, fold it nicely on the top shelf of the linen closet, then use it to cleanly cover the bed before you get it on. No pet hair in sight. 100% waterproof in a ton of gorgeous colors and super soft. Grab yours and protect your space at splashblanket.us and use code keeping it hot for 11% off. That's splashblanket.us and the code is keeping it hot. If things are moving too fast, then you have you have different kinds of challenges you're coming to, right? You're probably out hiking. You're probably at a silent yoga retreat this afternoon. You're probably going out uh, and taking your dog for a walk. You're probably meeting a friend for coffee. Those are the things that you're doing when your life and your opportunities are moving at a pace that are so fast. We've got so many interesting perspectives over the last few years, right? Because the last few years have been so different as far as time. And what, uh, what I think the greatest gift of the pandemic is, is going, wait a minute, I'm just gonna pause all of this outside shit and just go, wait, in these four walls, what do we need right now? I call it trickle-down joyonomics. All right. The more selfish you become, the better your relationship with your partner will be. It will. It will. It will. It will. When you are happy and you're just giving to them because you're overflowing rather than needing from them, we're, in a, we're cooking with gas here. It's like a completely different situation. We're not rubbing two sticks together. Boom, boom, boom. Ignition then the two of you can connect. So what are the things that you need to do to either get them on board with these after darks, to get them on board to come on a trip with you, to get them on board to try something new? What are you going to do to jumpstart your relationship? So that like the sex is better, the communication's better, it's more fun, this is not too much to ask for, this is simple, this can be done in a week. I swear to you, cooperation is way easier than we think. It is way easier. One of the biggest parts is not holding and taking responsibility for something that's not your responsibility. You've got two jobs. Know what you really want and be brave enough to say it. That's it. And being truly brave, you're going to say that with kindness. It's when you are still afraid to say it or you have not given yourself permission to really want that. That's when you're going to put in the little dig. That's when you're going to tweak the guilt meter just a little bit right there. No, when you want it, you can say, and when you've given yourself permission, when you know what you want and you've given yourself permission to want it, and you know now you're going to take action, that you're not going to be waiting for anybody else to do it. You're going to take action to do it. You will then carry yourself in a different way. And you will be giving off this confidence of, yeah, I know what I want. I'm going to go to get it. I'm not going to apologize. If you would like to ask me more questions about why I booked that trip, if you would like to ask me more questions about why I booked the After Dark webinar that I would love for us to watch together tonight, I'll tell you. 
Ilya, answer the questions. Yeah. If you think I shouldn't have done it, then you can say that. That's fine. And I'll listen. I'll listen to the reasons why you think I shouldn't have done it. And then I'll tell you again why I did. I'll tell you again how I was certain about this thing, certain that I wanted this thing. All right. This is where we need to be certain. This is where we need to be certain. And this is where we can never have certainty. You are certain that you want something. Do you know you want something? And you've truly given yourself permission to want it. Like you are not shaming yourself for wanting that thing. You're not shaming yourself for wanting the new iPhone. You're not shaming yourself for wanting the pretty journal. You're not shaming yourself for wanting the whole water filtration system. You're not shaming yourself for wanting uh, one weekend for you and your partner where the in-laws watch the kids and you just have the house to yourself for the weekend. Once you give yourself permission to want that, that's it. Then your partner can say to you, what do you think you were doing spending that money? And you were like, you know what? I really want to feel X, Y, Z. And I think that that is really going to help. I don't know for sure, but I think it is. That's the part. We never know for sure if the steps that we're going to take are going to get us closer to the way we want to feel or what we want to accomplish. We don't, we can never know. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but in the bedroom, there's always room to learn. Show your willingness to try new things with the After Dark Workshops. They're private, recorded, guided pleasure practices from trained tantric coaches and sex therapists. Go to keepingithot.com for our single workshops and bundles. Topics include oral and manual for him, oral and manual for her, intro to dirty talk, intro to squirting, secrets of female pleasure, control your ejaculation masterclass for men, and more. Workshops start at $25. It's the cheapest and sexiest date night you can get. Check out the After Dark Workshops at keepingithot.com. Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, I think she was quoting another writer, and I don't know who it was, but we can maybe search this and find out. But she said that someone wrote in to him and said, how can I know if my writing is good? How can I, how can I know for sure that it's good? And this prolific novelist said, oh, if you have to know, then just never start, never even try. Because we can never know for sure if what we're doing is the right move. We don't know. But what I do know is that every decision we make has more potential for expansion and less opportunity for total demise than we think. Welcome to your Keeping It Hot tip of the day. This tip is specifically for men with female partners. I get hundreds of DMs from women who tell me that they fake the majority of the time and then they take care of their orgasms on their own solo, which it's wonderful that they can do that, but what the fuck is happening in bedrooms across the world that women either don't feel comfortable communicating their needs or men are not taking the cues. Dudes, if you haven't talked to your lady about the non-necessity of faking orgasms, today is the day before your next venture into the bedroom, before your next roll in the hay, you need to tell your love, your queen, your princess, your sweetie, your honey bunny, that 
If she's ever faked orgasms in the past, okay, no harm, no foul, but it stops today. No longer does she need to pretend that she is satisfied so that you can finish. If she's not going to get there, she can tell you. She can say, hey, I don't think I'm going to climax tonight. Or if she would really like to climax, talk beforehand about what you may try differently to help her get there. Please open up this conversation before the next time you get it on. Please, please, I'm fucking begging you. When we take a brave step forward, often we think that if it goes just one inch to the left, boom, crash, done, burning in flames, my, all of my intergenerational wealth is destroyed, everything done, done, done. And we miscalculate the actual expansion or opportunity or increased perspective or money or boom, boom, boom. We are greatly underestimating the number of doors that just swing open for us when we make a brave move. And we think that when we do that thing, kaboom, oh my God, I'm going to blow up my whole life. Okay. So if every single step we make, we think is so risky and we think has this much benefit, what are we going to do all the time? We're going to play it safe over and 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 over. Every step that we take has the opportunity to bust a dozen, a hundred doors open for us. And here's why. Some people may talk about quantum physics. Some people may talk about manifestation. Some people may talk about brain science. I dabble in all of it. And it depends on my mood and the time of the day, which one I go, yes, I'm going to hang my hat on that. This is what I know from watching athletes get better and better and better and better every single hour they were on the ice with me for 10 years. This is what I know. When you take a brave step, you see someone different in the mirror. And that different person you see in the mirror sees different opportunities. It's like you just shifted your perspective two degrees. We need to make the moves. We need to send the text. We need to send the text to our partner that says, hey, babe, this may seem weird, but I'm following someone on social media. And she talks about marriage. And she talks about sharing chores around the house. And she talks about making it hotter in the bedroom. I just ordered her book, too. Let me know if you want to read it first or second. I want you to say, is that going to make me feel braver? Is that going to make me feel like the courageous person who I want to be, right? Some of us are scared all the time, including me, every day. Like, you should see my texts to my friends. I'm just very tender. I'm much more tender than you would think. But when I'm scared and I don't do anything, I feel like shit. When I'm scared, and I act anyway, I feel like I'm getting closer to me. I feel like there was a version of me when I was really little who tried it every time. And then somewhere along the way, she, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, started looking around and saying, wait a minute, not everybody seems okay here. I think I'm supposed to make sure everybody's okay before I try new things. And that's how we get ourselves into a cycle of codependency and digging a hole and life feeling harder than it has to feel because we're trying to take care of other people's feelings and other people's reactions when actually our only responsibility 
to anybody, our only responsibility to a stranger on the street, our only responsibility to a coworker, our only responsibility to our children, our only responsibility to our spouse is our ability to respond, is to sit there open-heartedly and take in what they're saying and then go, oh, all right, what do you think of this to try to help? How do you think we can make that better? Oh, okay. So we can't make it better, but we just don't want to, we, we want to try to not get in that same situation again, right? What could we do to not get in that same situation again? That's all we have to do. We just have to have the ability to respond. And 80, 90% of my DMs are for men. And what they say to me is, hey, I'm here to take more responsibility. I think I really have not understood so many things that I need to understand. So many things about relationships and about my wife, who I, who I love. I don't understand them. And so I want to say, hey, well, wait, I'm going to pause here and I am not going to assume anything anymore. I'm going to start asking questions and I'm going to start listening and I'm going to start reading and I'm going to start listening to podcasts. And I'm going to start asking my wife questions. And I'm going to be the person who takes an active role, who takes action every single day to make my quality of life better, to make my relationships better. Because when we are exhausted, just go take a nap. Don't even make a snack for me when you're exhausted. Is that a gift? Is it a gift for someone to do something for you when you can tell that it's like actively putting them in the minus? Do you like that? This is what I need all of you to do, to ask yourself, where am I just going to be done waiting and start just acting? Start acting and it doesn't have to be perfect action. We don't know what the next thing is. We don't know what the next thing is. All of you who are wanting to make big moves, I have a lot of ways to help you do that. I link a lot of other writers, speakers. I always share with you guys people I love. I have a lot of things for you to try to help this, to make brave action. Whether you want to ask your partner to sit down with you, to watch a 60 to 90 minute webinar, or maybe you need to pour a little glass of wine, loosen up a little bit, or have some CBD, whatever you do, whatever you do. And then you sit down and you go, okay, we're going to watch this on Zoom. And maybe we're going to laugh. And maybe we're going to have a great orgasm, or maybe we're just going to realize that like, that's not our thing, but we figure something else out together that helps us understand each other better. Or maybe you watch it. And when Elisa Caro is telling you like different techniques, maybe he feels like an absolute king because you're taking 90 minutes to go, how do I learn how to massage the royal penis? They are so fun. And even the things about the anatomy, the models of the female anatomy, when Zoe was talking about doing the tapping uh, on the clitoris, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like a vibrator. It feels really good. So all of these like different things that we can do to just mix things up in the bedroom, because that's fun. Add in a little bit of fun. So I have the after dark. We have intro to anal, intro to squirting, intro to dirty talk, erogenous zones, orgasm control, right? For, for men who want to like last, last, last. Intro to BDSM, intro to squirting, all kinds of fun things. But what I want to do is bring people all of these things that they're curious about, but don't know where to find anywhere else. 
And I want to give it to people in a way that's like funny and approachable. And everybody knows Zoom now. So I want it to be like the Peloton of adult sex ed. You know, people are like, oh yeah, we always do Elisa's class on Mondays. Yeah, awesome. This is what I want for people, for their, their connection, for their joy, for their intimate life to be like up there with their fitness, right? It's something, having great sex and having those regular orgasms. I don't know. We need a doctor to come on and say like, what's actually better for your health? having good sex three times a week or having, having a good workout? Because I think, I don't know, pretty close, but we just need to move that fun in the bedroom up that priority scale because it allows us to accomplish better things outside the bedroom. We have more cooperation in our relationships. We're quicker to make decisions. We are braver making investments. These are the things that we're doing, right? That we're actually taking action because we have that boost of confidence in ourselves. And that's what we need more than anything. Here is a clip from my audiobook, Swing. In chapter one, I was at an invite-only sex party in New York City where I had to send in headshots and a relationship bio to get on the guest list. And here in chapter two, I explained to you that I am just a regular mom who, uh, who ended up there and it could happen to anyone. Really, take a listen. But on the night of our first kiss, we didn't know we would end the night as more than friends. If we would have known it was going to evolve into a date, maybe we would have been more cautious about our movie choice. Instead, we saw my big fat Greek wedding. In between snort laughs, I choked, is your family actually like that? He assured me not. Of course, I thought, no family could actually be like that. Two months later, I was packed into a tiny row home in Philadelphia, and his aunts were spitting on him. Among the countless superstitions held by the Greeks, one of the strongest is the fear of the evil eye. Envy is a dangerous thing to provoke because you never know who possesses the curse of the evil eye. If they have this power and they become jealous of you, they can cause harm just by looking at you. It's like the dark magic version of the stink eye. The fear has evolved in some Greek families to the point that anyone can unintentionally curse a person, usually a child or baby, by gazing at them adoringly or over-complimenting them. Luckily, there's an easy way to counteract the sorcery summoned by a compliment. Legit spit on the person you just gushed over. Yes, gushing is undone by salivating. It's Greek science magic. To avoid getting arrested and to prevent the spread of cold and flu germs, a modern fake spit has now become commonplace. It sounds like patu, patu. The spit only works if you were the one who dished out too many compliments. If people out in the wild are complimenting recklessly, the counterspell is different. Manny's mom has a favorite phrase that she mutters under her breath to undo this type of hex. It translates to garlic in your eye. In my family, when you sneeze, no one will even say, bless you. Even though they're Canadian, possess exemplary manners, and will apologize if you run over their foot with a shopping cart, after a sneeze, they just let the awkward silence reign. No one willing to surrender to the superstition. When Manny brought me home to meet his family, it meant one thing. 
he wanted to marry me. That is the only reason you are allowed to introduce someone to your family when you're Greek. Conversely, in kindergarten, when the teacher turned her back to write on the chalkboard, I would kiss the boy beside me, call him my boyfriend, and introduce him as such to my parents. In my single-minded ambition to be a grown-up, securing a life mate was definitely a sign of maturity, so I had no objections when things got serious between us quickly. Our sexual chemistry was hot, but everywhere else, we were just cool. We did not fall head over heels in love. We fell into stride with each other, walking one foot in front of each other in love. It was straightforward. I liked him. He liked me. We thought we should be together. There was no game playing or uncertainty about commitment. A couple weeks in, he asked me how many kids I wanted to have. And before I could answer, he answered the question himself. Two or three? While nodding his head. He was 22 years old and ready to be a grown-up. Within a few months, I had moved in with him because neither of us could find the practicality in paying rent on two apartments. Our certainty was equally matched by Manny's mom's uncertainty. She wanted a Greek daughter-in-law. She thought her son deserved a Greek wife. I didn't know what that meant, but I'd soon find out. Incongruent with her plan, I was the only woman being brought around. Manny's older brothers were single, in addition to every male cousin of his generation, on both sides of the family. I could see the wheels turning. She's not a Greek woman, but technically, she is a woman. If she had dismissed me, it could have been a while before another woman came around. She cautiously decided to give me a chance. Manny's cousin recommended a book called Greek Customs and Traditions in America to help me learn about Greek culture. It was written by a non-Greek who married into a Greek family, and I found it extremely informative as it provided the why behind customs that Manny could not explain. Although enlightening, it had weirdly named sections like what to name your baby because it's not really your choice and Greek wedding sparkle, even though the bride and groom are not allowed to speak. I was halfway through when I realized I was reading a 400-page ass-kissing to Greeks and Greek culture. On every page, the author subtly pleaded, Like me? Please? I was reeling, and I wasn't the only one. The fact that I had moved 2,000 miles away from my family to a place where I knew no one had Manny's mom reeling. She also left her country for a new life when she was about my age. As was customary for her generation, her marriage was arranged. She and Manny's dad were from the same village, but he had been living away for years, having taken a job on transatlantic freight ships when he was only 13. At the time that their families decided over letters that they would marry, he was living in Philadelphia and working in a restaurant. She was working in a fine crystal shop in the city of Hios. He flew back to Greece just two weeks before their wedding, and they spent their honeymoon in Athens, completing her immigration paperwork. He had to get back to his job in the States, so she stayed with an uncle until her visa was ready. She then boarded a Lufthansa flight alone to leave behind everything she had ever known. The fact that I had left my family by choice as a single woman was baffling to her. I was certain she likened me to a leaf fluttering in the breeze, untethered, unsheltered, and this was the real reason she didn't actively protest against us living together. 
If Manny doesn't take care of her, who will? A saving grace was that at least she and I had one thing in common. We weren't from here. She knew what it was like to be in a new country and know almost no one. She held a certain tenderness for me and my family, imagining how much we must miss each other because she still tangibly recalled how she ached with loneliness for her own mother when she first moved to the U.S. Her village back in Greece only had one telephone located at the post office. She would dial it from her home in Philadelphia and ask to speak with her mother. Then she would hang up and wait. 20 minutes later, she would call back, hoping that her mother had been successfully fetched from wherever she had been in the village. She loved hearing her mother's voice, but longed to see her face, to possess the magic required to see her through the phone. She was seven years married and pregnant with her second son before she took her first trip back to visit. Her found tenderness for me could not quite match her adoration for her youngest son. He was her whole heart. I pieced together quickly the reasoning behind the preference for a Greek wife. She felt life would be easier for him if he had a wife who had fewer of her own ambitions, who would require little from him, a woman who accepted that her destiny was to make life comfortable for the men and children in her family. She reluctantly accepted that he loved me and that we planned to be together, but promised to treat me like a daughter only if I followed the Greek traditions. She also could not resist pointing out that every girl in the U.S. and Greece who met Manny loved him. They loved him the moment they saw him. And the girl he chose was this Canadian girl. And you are so lucky. I learned quickly that in a Greek family, the requirements for being a good wife were pretty complex. They were expected to cook and clean, of course, but the standard of cleaning made my head spin. The legs of coffee tables were dusted. Pots and pans were scrubbed on the outside until they showed no signs of use. I also quickly learned that in a Greek family, the requirements for being a good husband were pretty simple. Bring home a paycheck and don't be a drunk. Manny was a hands-on partner from the start. And despite the fact that he had never lifted a finger growing up, he scrubbed our house top to bottom before we hosted every party. It was as if he had learned to clean through osmosis. None of this escaped his family's notice. When our oldest son Jack was born, Manny's competence as a father was a cause for wonder and celebration. When Jack was a few days old, Manny knelt on the floor to buckle him into a car seat. Manny's yaya nudged Manny's mom to behold. Behold the man the man on the floor. The man on the floor who knows how to buckle his offspring into a rear-facing five-point bucket seat. Behold this incredible man. At that moment, and weekly ever since, a parade broke out in Manny's honor, filling the streets of their home village in Greece, recognizing him as the best dad in the history of Greek civilization. His prowess was so enthralling that they even forgot to spit. This episode is coming to an end, and I don't want it to finish before you take action. Take a screenshot of this episode and text it to your spouse. Let them know you're thinking of them and how you can better your relationship. If you both need a little handholding, grab Keeping It Hot, the workbook for fun, low pressure conversation starters to get to know each other on a whole new level. 
or if you want to rip the band-aid off, if you want your dynamic with your partner to take a leap forward while you also dig deeper and fast, read Swing. The audiobook is on Audible, and I narrate it. You can also request the paperback or the ebook from your local library. Whatever action you decide to take, be proud. It takes courage to move the plot of your story forward, even just a little bit. And small steps every day really do add up. Keeping It Hot with Ashley Renard is a production of Manitoba Woman Media, produced by Elizabeth Krauss. Original music by Echo Drop. Production assistance by Lauren Petraglia.